Good evening, and welcome to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host and homeboy, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Patwin Lawrence. Welcome to the show, Patwin Lawrence. on this nice day. Oh, man, it's beautiful. Yeah. And so it's you nice. and everybody else, quit complaining, damn it. Complaining about what? Next week. That's hot. That's hot. Next week. I, you know me. I was not complaining about okay, it. I good. loved it. Good. Me too. I mean, I, I sweated in the, the sun. I, you know what? <laughs> see, you know what you got to do? You got to put your baby powder on before you leave. You know how we do. You got to put your baby, baby powder. powder. Oh, it's see. This, now, here, here you go, pretend Nike. Your black card is being revoked right now. <laughs> Just, stop he's playing. just gold bond. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. He's, he's sophisticated oh, black oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm sorry. Your gold bond. So you use your gold bond, and you know we no. use baby powder. You use gold bond, and so it dries. It keeps uh, okay. you drier, so okay. that you don't sweat as much. Yeah. And, and then you smell good too. When people start okay. hugging you, you don't start smelling like sweat. You know, okay. your clothes smell sure. like baby powder too. So sure. Okay. That's a that's a that's a trick for you. Okay. And so. Uh, no, I, I listen, because next week, the way the weatherman says, next week we'll be in hoodies because it's going to be like 65, 70, which is nice, don't get me wrong, but that's... I love this weather. That's hoodie weather. I love this weather. Yeah. If we could use this year-round, Minnesota would be a most dynamic state. No. Yes, it would. It would suck. No, it nice would. weather year-round. I think the cold weather is what keeps it this one of the best it places. It keeps the white folks around. No, I, I, look, <laughs> try to keep some of the black folks around, okay? We need some heat year-round. We'll be round. San Diego. That's what would happen. I, well, yeah, well, okay. No. Yeah. Okay. So. Look, look, you know, we got an exciting show. To, we to today, we've never really had a debate on air, yeah. you know, since you and I have been co-hosts. Yeah. So today we have that. Yeah, that's I, nice. I, I love that. And we moderated one last week. We did moderate. Really good. Yeah, so, so uh, we, we want to apologize Johnson for and, uh, guys having to listen to a rerun. Yeah. But you're, I'm sorry, I was interrupting you. No, 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 no. It was Lacey Johnson and Raymond Dean, who's the yeah. incumbent. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great debate. It was, yeah. you know, a great discussion. We had great community questions, which I really loved. And um, I hope none of the candidates thought we kind of let that <laughs> kind of go with timing. But, oh. uh, but no, that's no, I was that's loving that. Great. Because, yeah. because community members, they want to be able to engage their elected officials. And that's exactly what we need um, to happen. Because so often, as you know, and as I know, candidates like to run away from the media. They like to run away from constituency yes. they don't want to debate and actually you know and ray i think he was the one that said that normally debates happen at you know like before primaries and it's usually inter-party so you know it's you know people running on the same for the same party usually you know there's a debate but typically there isn't a debate you know, especially at the lower levels um between you know between the parties and there should be because that way people can be civically engaged they can you know interact with the candidates and really get to know them and you know most politicians even the people on the other side that you may not disagree with i would say most people and we can see this even on the national level like most people that run for office are really likable people that's why they get elected it's some of them you know well no uh, most of them are, are likable people you know they you know they're great people but you might disagree with their policies so well you can't smack your grandma though well, you can and shouldn't. <laughs> I what? said you can't. Oh, okay. Yeah, I said you can't. Okay, I'm like, no, please. Okay, so advocate you that. And should. No, uh, I, I enjoy that. And so, as I said last week to, uh, I don't know if anyone that was streaming, you know what? We got over 500 views. Yeah. So I, I, I think that. That's I'm, great. I, I think that those who didn't come, mm -hmm. that's why we set up the venue of yeah. uh, uh, streaming it. And we had over 500 views. And so I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Uh, but we need more people to come out we because we created the platform for people so people can't complain, especially on the north side, saying, well, we don't have these opportunities like other communities do. We presented it to you. So when this happens again, you need to come out and take advantage of it. That's right. Because, again, if you're just throwing crap at the TV yeah. or walking past those lawn signs, saying, I can't say that. I will never vote for him. That, I never vote for her. Then shut your mouth. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. Shut up because yeah. you got no right to say anything because, like as Pat would say, we 
purposefully mm-hmm. set up these venues in the hood. That's right. A, a hub. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, urban uh, the, the urban league, a hub in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. North Minneapolis yep. for people to come to. So other communities might be saying, well, what about us? You know? So I think that, listen, as we, you and I have mm-hmm. been saying time after time, every community leader should be doing these things. That's they right. should be demanding that That's these politicians right. come to my hood, my mm-hmm. community, and debate our issues. That's Not right. the issues that's on your platform. That's great. Yeah. No. But what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? That's right. And so I feel bad when other, uh, uh, I don't like to alienate because you know me. You know I advocate for everybody. Yeah. You know, I'm, a de- I'm that Democrat. Yeah, that I, you that's know, fine. Um, but. Our people, my issues, my community, because mm-hmm. I was telling today, uh, some, I was telling them, talking to an older lady in the community, I was telling them, like, you know what, I'm a proud Democrat, because she was saying, too, that she uh, had evolved in her voting. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what, ma'am, me too. Uh, I was just that party Democrat, blind party Democrat, because I've been, you know, congratulations to me, I've been voting Democrat for 20 years now, since Bill Clinton was oh. his, shut up. I'm sorry. Okay, stop. Okay. I think Pro- there's a cream for that. Proudly, proudly, <laughs> proudly been voting. No, Bill Clinton was his second uh, uh, term was my first time I got to vote. I was 18. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I was so proud, giddy. That morning I woke up. You'd have thought, well, I can't say we're not on serious radio, but you would have thought it ain't. You know, I was so excited, and so yeah. you'd have thought, you know, okay. But so I got up that next morning. I was so excited to go vote, and yeah. so my mom took me. And so I, I think that no longer am I going to be beholden to my party mm-hmm. and not my family mm-hmm. and my community. I, just because I know this politician, I don't give a damn. I want to know what you're going to do. That's right. What have you done? That's right. Because too, that's why we're too comfortable. That's right. Because I know uh, uh, representative or senator, mm-hmm. and we let them slide. Yeah. And that's why our community goes to the, falls by the wayside, because we know those uh, senators yeah. are, are elected. Well, officials. no, that makes it even worse, because you might know them, but they haven't been doing anything for the community. Exactly. And then they are running away from you when you have questions. You and know, no matter the party, status and quo, no, exactly, no status quo, and I, enough of that. And people need to stop being party, uh, you know, people, you know, yeah. in terms of, you oh, we're be, just support yeah, that right. party, or just support, you need to look at the issues, go focus on the policy, and then get to know them, and then, you know, engage them and say, hey, you know, X, Y, Z, this is what needs to be done. What are you going to do about it? And then when either one of them gets elected, still be engaged. Talk to that person. Even though you might not have voted for that person or was planning to vote for that person, that person is now in that seat of authority. Now they have control over, you know, whatever sphere of influence it is that they have, whatever level of government they're at. You need to engage that person still with no those issues and hold them accountable. Absolutely. And, and, and exactly, you're saying exactly what I'm saying. Uh, you can be a proud Democrat, as I am. Sure. But you need to I need to be whatever Democrat that I vote for. Mm-hmm. I need to be making sure he or she. Yeah. Uh, or they. And I'm not being funny, but, you know, I'm hey, in uh. this day and age, you know, um, <laughs> are doing what they said that they were going to do. Yes. When they get elected. Because, I, you know me, Pat, I go that's all in. Hold and so I, work, I work my ass off of whoever candidate that I'm behind. That's right. And so. uh Richard Painter, in fact, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He and I are going to get together next week mm-hmm. and start. We're going to start a project. So, because he's good. coming back. Don't, that's good. when you lose, and that's what the, remember, that was one of the questions I asked during the debate yes. last week of yes. both candidates. Will the loser come back at, to the community and do something? Because too often, and the winner does too, but too often the loser is just gone looking mm-hmm. for whatever office he or she is going to run for next. And I'm okay with that. But then bring some of your ideas. That's why I tell yeah. Republicans, you lose, but bring your ideals back. Let's work on your ideas because just because you're not in office doesn't mean we can't uh, implement. Well, if the elected Democrats would let that happen. That's not, no, no you come around. Listen, I did. Th- oh, you mean in the community level? Yes, okay. on the community level, I'm yes, saying. Yes, I'm yes, saying yeah. bring those yeah. ideas around. So if, if you have a better health care ideal, mm-hmm. 
I mean, it may not, it may not have gotten passed, you know, sure. legislatively, but yeah. then bring that to the community because then we can go asking for monies from different organizations yeah. and we can might implement some type that's, of, that's right. That's, you know, yes, that's right. Uh, some, some type of form of what you're saying. So we just have to think outside the box, no matter right. what party. That's why I said Republicans stop saying we're not in power. We're not in power. And then I love the, the old lot, the old additive that because a Democrat run this, runs a city and that's his or her fault. Well, then if the governor, it's but true. if the governor is a Republican, then they're both culpable to me. Well, I would agree that there there's culpability on both sides. That's yes. absolutely correct. But it's more so with the Democrats. No, it if relates if to you're the in charge, community. you're in charge. But the, yeah. the governor is the president of that state. So That's and I have true. I have I have I have what, yeah. same thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm trying to say. I'm yeah. saying still, I got it. Right. Yeah. And but still, I have a power to assert. Right. And yes. so if I think that you're running down the city, you're not doing any, any good. Mm-hmm. Then it's my job to use my me, use this darn thing here, that pen, and say, yeah, I agree. by executive order, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, we can't do things always by executive then order. Then you go, listen. There's, that's unfortunate that well, Trump there's, has there's, to do it, Obama did it, oh, Bush Trump. did it. No, listen, we don't, but that's, we it's almost, away it's almost break time. We're not, don't we don't say the T word. <laughs> did you, hey, we always went through the, we went to, dude, we went through the whole segment without saying that. What? What? <laughs> We're not going to say it. We got more on the other side of the break. This is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twisties News Talk and your iHeartRadio. Oh, welcome back to Black Republican, Black Democrat. See, let me tell you, we got the greatest producer in the house because I didn't send him any music this week because I was busy. Yeah. And my man comes up with something. So already. he was saying, yeah. like, no Aretha. <laughs> <laughs> Listen. We did that for well, we were like, oh, I was in mourning. We're letting her rest. Yeah. I was in mourning. Here's a man that hates that you've had nine outfits in a funeral, so don't. don't. That, that, that's weird. Okay, we're not going to so, Yeah, we're, no, yeah, we're not. Okay. Welcome back to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host and homeboy, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Patwin Lawrence. And very excited because today in studio right now, we have our first Black Republican, BRBD. You got to use those acronyms because saying, you know, you get out tongue-tied. BRBD debate with... So we don't have we usually have incumbents. So this is the first time we never had incumbents. So this yeah. is fantastic. This so is. now this is for the uh, Senate. I'm sorry, Sam. I'm already screwing it up. They're not running for Senate. Yes. Well, then you do. <laughs> Pardon me. No, you're the expert. This is for uh, House of Rep- Minnesota House of Representatives. Uh, what, what district is it? Fifty nine, fifty eight. Five, I'm sorry. 50A. See, this is, I'm, I'm bad with this. 50A. I'm sorry. Let's try to skip. Ladies and gentlemen, we're having a debate between candidates of 50A. I've never heard of that either. But 50A, mm-hmm. Mike Howard, who is a, uh, he's a current Richfield City Council person. And uh, he's got so many other titles that I, I, I didn't write down. <laughs> and... Kirsten Johnson, who is also a consultant, a military consultant. Oh, so, you good. know, thanks for your service, too. She, and how many years was in your service? I was in 10 years. 10 years. So thanks for your service. Thank you. And uh, you're Pat Lawrence. Yes. And I'm Jamar Nelson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So ladies, I'm really excited, though, like, because we, we have not had an in-studio debate. So uh, I wish I had my bail. I was supposed to get my Mike Tyson bail because, you know. Glad to be your guinea pig. Thanks. That's good enough. Oh, I know, right? In case it don't go right, then you will, everybody else will know not to do it again. <laughs> All right. So uh, let me start with one of the first questions that I want to ask because I think um, what Pat and I do, what's important is uh, community issues, black community issues. And at the uh, legislative level, uh, you guys will have influence and power. And so I think... Uh, too often do we let people um, 
the get house seats slide because they tend to say that there's nothing I can do. I'm not in power, such as the Republicans now. Okay. Not me. Clarify. Not, not, oh, see, not her. <laughs> not no, incumbent. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, no, um, what are uh, critical areas of need uh, in the black community that you guys can um, can talk about? Because you guys are in a diverse area. Richfield, some of Bloomington is West Bloomington. No, East Bloomington, East, East Bloomington. Richfield are a little more diverse. Okay. So that's yeah, very area. diverse, those areas out there. So what are uh, areas that you guys can identify in those areas of policies and solutions that could help your constituents out there. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, I, I think you've pinpointed it, you know, for a community like Richfield, uh, in particular, uh, 10% African American, 20% Latino. Uh, we have about 60 or 70% uh, students of color. Uh, and, you know, in Minnesota and, and uh, throughout our state and in Richfield, we have some of the biggest gaps in equity uh, in our entire country, really. And, you know, Minnesota is a state that likes to see ourselves at the top of national rankings. Mm-hmm. And we shouldn't, want to see ourselves at the top of a ranking of our gaps in equity. Right. Uh, and so uh, I think there's a number of policy uh, things that we need to look at in terms of equity. One, I would say we just need to bring an equity lens to all of our policymaking. Um, you know, their uh, systemic racism and uh, just the way things have been have created these disparities, and we should acknowledge that and bring that lens uh, as we consider all our policymaking. Are we making our equity uh, gaps worse or better, bring that lens to, to the discussion. A specific issue is one that comes top of mind for me is affordable housing. Uh, Richfield, in particular, has one of the largest well, gaps. Let, let, let me stop sure. you there, because that, that, that's a trick word. And, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't. Mike is the Democrat that's running, and Kirsten is the Republican. Uh, that those, But that word, affordable housing, we've learned that that's a trick word, because affordable can mean 14, 1500 Affordable sure. for whom? So are we going to focus on low-income housing or some type of, I don't know another word to uh, how to address it, but affordable it's not always affordable. Absolutely. It, it's a very loaded word, it uh, is. affordable housing. Um, you know, when I think about what affordable housing is, uh, you know, a standard that's kind of used is about if you're spending uh, more than 30% of your income on your housing, that's not affordable. Um, you're not able to, uh, you're stretched pretty thin then to, to buy groceries and provide for your family if you're spending more than 30% of your income right. on housing. Um, and that's the state that um, so many uh, in our community are in, especially our renters. And, and that's where we get to the gaps in equity. Um, in a community like Richfield, about 70% of our uh, people of color are renters. Uh, about 70% of our homeowners are white. Mm-hmm. Huge gap. Yes. We need to do things in housing uh, to, one, uh, make uh, housing more affordable for our renters and work on some tenant protections. Those will inherently uh, help us reduce some of our racial equity gaps. But we also need to uh, do things uh, to make home ownership a reality for uh, folks that haven't had that opportunity before. I mean, we know in this uh, state, in this country, having a home is such uh, a powerful way to build wealth and build equity. And that uh, gap we have is something we need to address. Thank you. Uh, Man, you see, you're on cue. I didn't even have to stop him. (laughs) Kirsten? Yeah, I'd agree with uh, a lot of the housing points there, too. I think that the policy issues, though, are that we need to spearhead to get more people of color into office. So I'm running, I'm a quarter Native American. So a big part of why I'm running is for transparency to say this is a really difficult system to try to break through. So a lot of people who 
have really good ideas and want to have a say are saying, I don't want to go through all the legalese. I don't want to go through all the time and all the money and everything that it takes to even run for office. So I think it's not about, you know, necessarily just white legislators saying what needs to happen or making decisions for them. It's about people coming in the door and being in the behind closed doors meetings to say, here's what we actually need and here's what will actually help us. So my goal is to do all the hard work right now. And then I'm being very loud about this is a broken system and this is overly difficult for what it has to be. We should have way more representation in office and we do not right now. And again, looking at it from, you know, female perspective, we're at 80, 20, where it's 80 men to 20 women in the house right now. So I'm running as a female candidate to have a voice there. Native Americans are at risk of losing their caucus because we don't have enough natives who are in office, especially with Peggy Flanagan um, leaving for Lieutenant governor. Yeah. So, and again, I think there's is it twelve black people in office right now in the legislature. I didn't even know it was that well, many. Four. I just want to say. Well, actually, three and then one Somalian. Okay, that's how yep. they identify. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And um, so again, to get that voice louder, so that <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, if you, it, you it go, counts. That's, that's fine. That's what she says. Well, yeah. She's, yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's you need to get those voices louder so that we're working as a coalition and we're working as you know one big voice and saying something and so that it's blended together last year native americans didn't get anything done because it was four democrat women so there was no bipartisanship in our bills there was nothing you know no alternative perspectives we need to open the door to get more legislators in there who are you know lacey johnson is a great example who's been in north minneapolis for 40 years and who knows all the issues and has a really good say in what that neighborhood needs so i'm hoping to you know my hope is to open the door and let more people in with how I'm running my race and what I would do as a legislator. And we said this is going to be a peculiar uh, debate. So do, in the mix of that, do you guys mind if we take phone calls, too, as well? Yeah, be great. Okay, 651-989-5855. 651-989-5855 is that call-in number. All right. And I have a follow-up question, actually, about housing. So, you know, that's all great when we talk about, uh, you know, the housing disparity, you know, which is great, and that comes from systemic racism, and it goes back to slavery and the, you know, disparity in wealth between blacks and whites. And But when we talk about, well, we want to get people into homes, well, the problem there is we're still segregated. So blacks still tend to live around blacks, whites around whites. So um, even if you have black ownership, let's say North Minneapolis, those houses aren't going to appreciate as much as, let's say, in Wyzetta or Adina are where whites are amongst themselves. Um, so what will you be able to do or to implement to where even in a black neighborhood where it's mostly blacks or in a section of a community that's mostly black or minority, how will you ensure that those housing rates are able to appreciate um, as well? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think what we've learned about housing uh, in this gets a little bit to low income housing, you know, when there's been efforts to uh, really put concentrated uh, low income housing in an area uh, without surrounding opportunity in those neighborhoods. Uh, that is not a recipe for success and opportunity for those families. And so, um, you know, it's we, we do need to increase uh, home ownership for, for folks in, in communities like North Minneapolis. We also need to increase opportunity in those communities. And that, that means uh, redevelopment, uh, business growth, uh, the kinds of things that make for thriving neighborhoods for anybody, strong schools. And so it it's a little bit, of, I think, of kind of taking a holistic approach. Uh, and, and the only other point I'd make on that in terms of housing, uh, and this gets a little bit to rental housing. I think it's really important that as we uh, add uh, 
more housing op- options uh, throughout the the community realize that it's not an either or it's an and you know as an example in the city council in richfield here we're going to build our first uh, multi-unit rental housing on the east side of richfield which mm-hmm. is a more diverse area of richfield since mm-hmm. the uh, 1970s it's been that long since that there's been that kind of investment and in that area uh, it's going to be built about 200 300 units 80 percent of those units will be market rate 20 percent of those units will be designated as affordable uh, and we're creating opportunities for housing at a range of incomes. Uh, and that's, I think, kind of a recipe for growth and prosperity in a community. I got a follow-up, too, but Kirsten? I think it's more about being business-friendly and having businesses that, that attract people to your community. Because Richfield had a huge boom just in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was anything that government did. I think it's about having, I mean, if you ask people anecdotally, it's about having, you know, we built a co-op, we built a Pizza Luce, we kind of started attracting the South Minneapolis crowd over to Richfield. So again, opening those doors to have more of these small businesses. We're popping up another small restaurants coming over to uh, 66 and Penn area, which is known for its small businesses. And I think North is starting to do that. Like I follow North News where they come up with some great barbecue joints. They come up with some great business opportunities that attract people there so that you can start building that livability so that you have people who are, you know, the businesses are doing well and paying taxes. And then that spreads out to the residents so that they can attract other people and kind of show off their own neighborhood and have places to go and things to do right where they live. So I think being business friendly is going to be the biggest thing to really integrate and build up neighborhoods. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. great. No, we, well, well, you know, well, we're about to go to break, but I think it reminds me of the discussion at the debate that Lisa Clemens brought up about how the police officers were teaching that young man about how to be an entrepreneur yes. and how to create opportunities. Like they were talking about how do we, you know, deal with the gang problem and, you know, issues like that in businesses look at you're creating an entrepreneur and how do we get more people like that? So that was a great thing that came out of that. But uh, along with that does come, you know, the tax base with that. And then also with the home ownership, no, home you know, it, as, it, as yeah. well. And yeah. so how that should increase, but typically in um, high minority areas, they don't appreciate That's true. as much. Dan, you hold tight and we got more. So, you know, I think that uh, if we, if we, Concentrate seriously on the fact that there there is gentrification, and mm-hmm. so that, that we have to realize yes. that and and be honest about it. Mm-hmm. Then we can start moving how we can place people. But we can do it in a way where we keep the people there. Yeah, no, and and we, we should exactly. We should be trying to get them, keep them there, yeah. and appreciate their homes yes. exactly. uh, that they're there. So we got more on the other side of the break. This is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk and your iHeartRadio. Of justice and. Welcome back. Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your host, Mar Nelson. And that over there. Welcome back, Black Republican, Black Democrat. I know it wasn't I. <laughs> right on. I'm Jamar Nelson. I'm Pat Lawrence. And we're having a debate here, so I, 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 I got to stay serious. Let's bring in Dan. Dan, let's take the phone call from Dan. Dan, what's up, my man? I thought it was. I thought Barry White took over the show. No, I know. Right on. <laughs> I'm not giving you twenty dollars. Okay, thank you yeah. for the compliment. Right on. <laughs> What's up, Dan? How you, you know, doing? It really, it really concerns me when I hear politicians say that we're going to make sure that certain people of ethnic backgrounds or gender, a female females, are doing this. That no one's preventing anyone from achieving anything. It's you're voted in office. You get the most votes. You're in. It's, and to make sure that people have affordable housing, how does that happen? Well, the truth is, it's taxpayers paying more taxes. 
So people who aren't finishing school, or who aren't going to college, who aren't finding something to do to make a better living, have a place to live. I'm a contractor. I work in Richfield, and people that are seniors who hire me complain to me how their property taxes in Richfield are going up up to $300 a year for a simple little rambler. They're being driven out of their homes because of the taxes. So we can't force people. I mean, it's wrong to... Um, to give allowances to people because of the bad choices they made by not finishing school, by not getting an education, by not deciding to do what everybody else does to prosper, and now we're on the hook to pay for their life. That is very concerning to me. Uh, Kirsten? I'd say 100%. I've heard the same complaints that taxes are what are driving a lot of the affordable housing things out. And again, it's been Richfield... It's not just Richfield City Council, but it's also at the state, county, school board, everything. Our taxes keep hiking up every year. And that's a big reason of why I'm running is to lower taxes. But that 100% goes to the affordability of everything. And in the apartments even, too, when they say it's only, you know, 5 or 10 bucks a room. Well, again, in a, we have the apartment buildings are 700 rooms. So it's you can't keep costs down when you keep bringing taxes up. So, But he, he, uh, he said... And and I don't mind saying it. There needs to be a concentrated effort on putting people of color, black folks, and people of color, because because then you guys, because which was going to be my question after, um, in housing, making them homeowners. Like like you say, uh, especially after North Minneapolis after the tornado, mm-hmm. home ownership went down. Renter, it was a rentership went sky, skyrocketed, and then they got gouged. They got yeah. so. And the other thing, what I like, I think, I think it's, um, oh my gosh, what did I just? St. Louis Park, they just passed an ordinance, uh, uh, uh a renters protection ordinance, which I yeah. love. You know, new landlord that moves in, you can't just jack up the rent. If you, mm-hmm. And if you okay. want, if you want to put me out, you got to pay my expenses. You can't just give me the thirty days because I can't just find someone to live in thirty days. Me and my my eight kids or whatever mm-hmm. or family, and so. I think that there does need to be a concentrated effort on getting people of color, making them homeless, not just rentership, but home ownership. So how do we solely focus on that? Sure, absolutely. Uh, just a couple things. Uh, one, the uh, city of Richfield, just this week, we passed uh, a similar ordinance. Uh, Good. Tenant protection. Congratulations, and Richfield. Good. It, in Richfield and Bloomington, you know, we, we've seen over the last couple of years, folks get a note under their door that says we have you have 30 days to move out. And in Richfield right now, we have a 1.2% vacancy rate in in rental apartments. Say that again. 1.2% uh, wow. vacancy rate. So that means when you are forced to move, you don't have options. That's mm-hmm. right. And these are folks that are part of our community. They want to remain part of our community, and it's very challenging for them to find a place to live. Um, so this tenant protection providing 90 days, um, again, that's not a, a solve-all. That's basically but, just providing it, it, it a little helps. bit more time yes, exactly. uh, for, for tenants. Um, to the piece of uh, home ownership. Um, also on the city council and I, I, in Richfield, we passed a pilot project, uh, uh, a small amount. I think it's about fifty thousand dollars for downtown or for down payment assistance for first-time home buyers, mm-hmm. and that's paired with uh, uh, resources and coaching and financial assistance because. Again, the system itself of trying to purchase a home and going to a bank and understanding the paperwork and everything, that can be very intimidating, especially for someone that just hasn't had that opportunity or feels like owning a home is something that's uh, uh, maybe they have a, there's a language barrier. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to provide some unique and targeted services uh, for folks that 
may have the means, uh, but need some, uh, just need some assistance to sort of realize that this is an opportunity for us. Interesting. Yeah, I'd agree. And same thing with the getting more people into homes, I think needs to go to incentivizing rent to own programs for home ownership, which again, is really difficult for landlords to manage right now. So it is a lot easier for them. You know, if you're You've got a lot of extra money and you want to go into land ownership and rentals. It's a lot easier to buy a slum and pack as many people as you can in there. Mm -hmm. Let's make it so that it's easier to buy entire home properties and then keep part of it, but then also help these people build up their down payment and do something where within two, five, ten years, they're buying it. And that's part of the deal and part of them living there. So not only are they building their roots as renters, but they also have this goal where they're working on their credit or you're working on your down payment or you're doing something you know, just like you said, of all the intimidating factors of buying a house that are there for all of us so that that is the easier option, not the moving into the slums and applying for apartments all over the place. I, you know what they don't build enough of anymore are duplexes, you know, they're all single family mm-hmm. homes are yeah. going up and apartment buildings. But duplexes, when you can get a little, you know, more family members mm-hmm. in, I mean, obviously you can't in an apartment. But that's more expensive and it takes up more space. So if we can put duplex, I mean, I may be just simply <laughs> thinking, but you don't see duplexes going up or bungalows anymore. Right. You know, and I think that that's. And well, you know, there's also programs. You know, when I was um, at the council, one of the bills that we had um, was working with, uh, I believe it was Project Home in North Minneapolis. And what well, they have a program, and they were looking to get funding from the state government to help fund a program that focuses on people of color, so not just African Americans, but also Latinos and Asians as well, um, in terms of home ownership. So it's not just giving people homes. And I and I hate when people think that that's what's going on. That's right. Pick, yeah. No, no, yeah. that that's no. not helpful. At right. all. No, no, no. No, that's not what you want to do. But you want to help people through the process yeah, exactly. because people of color tend that. to not have the that. background, the We don't money, know. We don't you know. know. And that's going to go to your question that you're going to ask. Yeah. But we don't have those resources right. that other communities do. Right. And so having a program to help them step by step and then also working with the state and city governments to incentivize home ownership as well. Um, you know, I, I think that's the the best way to go. We got to bring in. We got a partnership. We got we got a partner with banks that mm-hmm. want to give yep. good loans to people. Yes. And 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 it's okay to do the first time home. And mm-hmm. and so here's the other thing. We got well, the promise on to programs. Look at the banking side, but but the risk. other thing is they only want to mess with those that have those six hundred credits. You've got yep. to be able to. And I know that you that tells, Yes, but guess what though, Pat? When because I don't have a 600 credit score doesn't mean I'm not reliable, that I don't pay my bill. I have might have been messed up or I got sick and I got behind on that. So now that that, that, ref, that reflects on me. Well, it's but because it, of the wealth, because in but white that's communities, what we gotta they work. have parents that will come and pay those credit card bills that they true. grew up on. But then we got to have banks have, that have banks that say, that. listen, so, yes, you've got true. 580. Because I do know that banks will rent some of them. Will mm-hmm. They don't tell you that. But some, if you, at least it's a 580, they'll rent to you. Mm-hmm. But then we have more banks. Focusing on that. Hey, you're 580, you're 550, but you've been on your job for five years or mm-hmm. whatever. Let's trust you a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've got to be able, because again, just because I don't have good credit doesn't but, mean I'm not responsible. I can't that, be That's true, homeowner. but it's also a good picture of though your, I don't want to say your worth because you shouldn't make your credit score your worth, but it is a good indicator. Mm. Like if you don't have a, that shows instability. That's what it shows. It shows instability. I screwed mine up at 21. At 21, what do credit cards companies do you? You get one and I got, I got a, I I guess I won't say the name, but I got one of the big, bigger companies, okay? Mm -hmm. And my first, my first credit card was for five grand. Mm -hmm. 21 with a quick, 
Come yeah, on. you're right. They, yeah. So yeah, I, I went spinning the and then guess targeting. what? Yeah. That next week I got another credit card in me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I went to Target and I got a and I'm and I'm but, but so you listen. The personal responsibility. I know, but what I'm saying though, Pat when but Come on. Huh? But now I'm 21. Now I'm 40. It's predatory activity. Exactly. And now that I'm 40, I'm saying, damn, I should have done this, that, and the other. But now I'm more responsible than I was at 21. Yes. So, Jamar, yes. I wanted to, one comment. Back to the, the initial caller, um, I think there was a concern there that we're spending a lot, of pu- a lot of public tax dollars specifically on affordable housing. That's a part of it. But really, it, banks, mm-hmm. private developers, on public side, I mean, this is sort of an all-hands-on-deck okay. approach, I think, to the housing crisis that we have. Because um, we need housing at all income levels for all people. There, that, there's a huge gap and shortage in that. Um, and so that's where I think you mentioned banks. I think uh, some there are, there's some innovation that we can happen there, public-private mm-hmm. partnerships. We got to be all in this together. Absolutely, yeah, Kirsten. You got a few minutes. You want to chime in? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm <laughs> going along with everything you say. No, no I, I like this type of no, debate. but yeah. it's and this is you know kind of one area though where I'll agree with Jamar of you know my credit got messed up with my divorce where again yep. I was responsible you know twenties doing great and then a couple bad months and I'm still climbing out of that hole and it like, takes that a sucks. while. Yeah. So right, so what you're saying is starting to get some more obscure or, you know some more subjective factors put yes. into it. Or, again, to build communities around it. So, like, the military VA loan, mm-hmm. they give you loans at lower credit scores, at lower really? you know, other mm-hmm. things. Right. But That's because right. they trust you, because they say you're a military member, yeah, yeah, we know yeah, a certain right. level of but integrity. Like that, though. But we could yeah. build that up with other communities. And you have stability. Absolutely. See? I'm, yeah. Right. You, these two are making it hard to choose, aren't they? <laughs> They're making it hard to choose. They're making it hard to choose. We got more, though, with both of them on the other side of the break. This is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk and Y'all Heart Radio. Is my dad on the show or not? What? <laughs> what would I, do? I mean, I love Wilson Pickett, but Clarence Carter. Cut. Can we slip away? Say, so you don't even know I know about that cut, though. No, I know about Clarence Carter, though. Do you? Yeah, he's been stroking, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh, <laughs> well, we can't say that here. <laughs> oh, we can't. Oh, oh. <laughs> Clarence Carter. <laughs> y'all, for those that are just... Okay, y'all got to know. Where we, uh, everybody, know <laughs> everybody knows that. Even white boys like that. Do, well, one. Google Clarence Carter, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, welcome back to Black BRBD. I'm your co-host, Jamar Nelson. <laughs> we had way too much No, you know, the way that I, the reason why I laughed, because I was thinking about to like the old music, when you're now an adult, you understand more. Yeah, all, all the songs, like in living yes. color, I've been watching that on YouTube, and now I get so much The show? It. Yeah, the show. The comedy show. And when I was oh, a kid goodness. watching it, because oh. I loved it when I was a kid, man, but now I get it. Man now. on film, man yeah, on yeah, hair. Yeah, oh, yeah, I get it they, now. <laughs> it's not you know, nowadays it would be considered highly offensive, right? Yeah, what, they, the they sketches that, that they show. do. Yeah. But 24, yeah. 25 years yeah. ago, oh, that stuff. May, and to watch it again, the Z formation. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, dude. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. yeah. Okay, anyway. So, all right. So, back to, our, back to yeah, our discussion so. here. So, um, so there, have been num- there have been numerous studies um, over the past 20 years. Um, the Keene study, the NAACP um, did a state audit. A couple of years ago, um, and then there's also been numerous, you know, articles, uh, you know, in the media about uh, tackling disparities in Minnesota. As we've mentioned earlier, that you know we are at the highest in almost every disparity category. Um, 
so are you so are you aware of these studies first of all or studies in general that have been done um, in terms of tackling disparities and then if you are elected would you hold public hearings you know at the Capitol on the studies because numerous studies have been done we don't need any more new studies because we have plenty (laughs) but would you hold public hearings on them to then move towards implementing recommendations absolutely and and, I mean there are there are numerous studies I'd mentioned earlier I mean, I, th- I think I saw one where we're the second worst in the country. I've seen in education in particular. I've yeah. seen studies where we're the worst in the country. Um, and I, you're absolutely right. We don't need more studies. Uh, we, what we need is action. Yes. Um, and uh, it, it gets a little bit to bringing an equity lens to everything we're doing and not having it be an afterthought. It should be part of all of our discussion, all of our decision-making at the Capitol. When we're looking at passing our state budget and passing a bonding bill, Mm -hmm. are we bringing an equity lens to that? What kinds of investments are we making, capital infrastructure investments? And are we going to be intentional about making investments in areas that are going to improve those equity gaps? So Mm -hmm. I I think it starts with just making it part of all of the discussion as an overlay to everything we're doing at the Capitol. One unique proposal that was introduced that I'd like to, to take up um, Representative Thiessen had introduced a bill uh, that would uh, create an equity note process. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. There, you right. know, e- anytime there's a bill at the legislature that could potentially have a fiscal impact, a legislator can submit uh, to get a fiscal impact note, and they'll do a study to investigate, you know, what's going to be the financial impact of the budget. Well, the idea of an equity note is a, a legislator could... Uh, submit an equity note on a bill and you could conduct uh, some research and some study and try to understand if this bill is going to have a positive impact or an adverse impact on our equity gap. So for example, if we're going to raise the minimum wage to $15, I would anticipate that you you can do that kind of study and look at where our low wage workers are and that's going to hopefully improve some of our gaps in equity. Um, So um, uh, I think it's about making it part of all of the discussions at the Capitol, front and center. Yeah, absolutely. For the public hearings, I think that's the best way. And again, getting back to people and asking them their direct opinion, because the biggest thing I think that our legislators have gotten away from is that they feel like they're in power over their community. When I feel like so many community members are actually the ones who are in power. You know, we're the ones who write the paychecks. We're the ones who have a say in things. But for so long, we have legislators who say, well, I know better than you. So I'm just going to go ahead and approve this or go for this or whatever, because I know better. Versus, again, holding hearings and actually asking people and getting down at the lowest level. Again, you know, go to the restaurants that are paying, you know, minimum wage and say, how would that affect you if you had to pay all your servers $15? If you have to pay all of your stylists $15 on top of their tips and start actually taking action to say something and get some input before you go ahead and say, make a decision at the Capitol. So I do think that we need a lot more transparency. We need a lot more hearings. We need a lot more say from the actual people rather than saying we know what's best because of what we've heard or what we guess. And I want to just agree with something that Kristen said about more say from the people. Um, you know, it it's one thing to have a hearing and to have legislators sit at a table and uh, say we know better, but it is about opening up the capital so that Minnesotans are able to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the last several years in particular, we've seen much more uh, dealings behind closed doors, especially at yep. the end of the legislative session where you have only a handful of people mm-hmm. making these decisions on the entire state budget. And lo and behold, uh, we end up with a kind of a pile of nothing in the last couple of years. I think the legislature works best when that capital is filled with people. 
And as state representatives, I, it's not, I don't see this as a job just to go up and vote yes or no. It's to provide an opening for our community to have a voice and have power at the Capitol. So, uh, and that's really important. So, so as a follow-up, will you then, um, I don't want to, if you were elected, how would you um, create that avenue for the community to become more you know, engaged. Because when I was with the Council on Black Minnesotans, we would have, you know, we were working with, you know, the legislature and with state agencies and the governor's office. Um, and then also we would hold uh, yearly, we would hold rallies at the Capitol where we would take our legislation that was community based, that we asked the community what things or what issues are important, and we would take that to the Capitol. And that was a way of getting engagement. So how would you all get the community engaged with the legislature? Well, yeah, actually. For- you know what, before mm-hmm. I, you answer, let's take this phone call because we're huh? running short on time. Oh, I want to okay. give you guys a chance to uh, answer this phone call. Let's take a phone oh. call from Mike. Mike, what's going on? How you doing, bro? Hey, good afternoon on this beautiful evening. That it is. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'll preface this first by asking, does anyone there know about the movement called Men Going Their Own Way? It's oh, the Midtown, the Midtown, yeah, yeah. And where I'm going with this is how men have typically been treated, and we can talk about black men, in the judicial or the family court system, and where, at least in Western countries, marriage is like a bad deal for men. And until we, in my view, until we straighten out what's going on in the court system, so men have a little better representation there, because it seems to be and I'm sure there's many men out there that will agree with me, women hold a lot of the cards there, and marriage mm-hmm. is, not, is kind of a bad deal for men. Now, if you want to encourage strong families and have that grow and have stable communities, you're going to need intact families to do that. And the court system, specifically the family court system, needs to be addressed in that matter. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the yeah. phone call. He's That's why we love our right. listeners. Yes. No, absolutely. That's a great question. Yes. And actually to that one, I want to say that is, you know, we get so many surveys from so many different groups of what are you going to do about this, this, or this. That's one that I have a passion for because I have so many military friends who get screwed in courts because that's a big detriment for taking away their kids. When they're away and yeah, things happen or... yeah, yeah. But not even, I mean, you know, and some of it's justified. If you're going to be away, you need a plan for your kid. Okay. That's fair. But it's a reason for women to take the children and... Again, not always women, but, you know, most of the time. It's it's a reality. But reality, right. Now, again, having gone through a divorce, I can tell you absolutely I had an advantage where the default was you're going to get the kids, he's going to have them every other weekend, and anything else is you screwed up. Like, it's your lose as the woman, right. right? So, again, to walk in with that default is so unfair, and you feel it at every level, and every lawyer tells you behind closed Mm -hmm. doors. Mm -hmm. The judges are acting on it. It is frustrating, and, you know, and... It's something that absolutely needs to change. How do we but, change it? What do we go? How do we go about a system? With, you know, we've two. We got two minutes here. How do we go about a system of changing it? Part of it is a whole culture change, but a part of it is just walking with the default of just we're going to each parent gets a week. All right, from there, where do you want to negotiate? So you want to talk about pay? He makes more, so he wants to give up more time. Fine. You want to talk about this? Fine. But right now, the default that you walk in with is he's having every other weekend, and she's got the rest. Walk in with a different attitude and start, again, training lawyers, training judges, training everybody to be at that level, walking in the door and then going from there and keeping families together. Because, again, yeah, having them split apart is an adverse childhood reaction that is something that's absolutely increasing violence and every other problem that we have in society today. 
Mike, she's making it her. Jeez, Louise. Well, and I agree with a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. th- we we have. I think there's a systemic change issue there, a culture change issue, yes. and it absolutely uh, that the more we can have uh, kids have both parents in the in the picture is going to lead to better outcomes. And it gets back to our you know our equity conversation. Yep. No. Yeah. Uh, again, in when you look at uh, sort of signals that that can signal to success. I mean, having uh, two parents in the picture very important. No doubt about it. You know what? See, I love that we didn't even. I didn't even get to ask my question. I don't care. We get. That's why we got the post show podcast for. Yeah, we can, yeah. But I think that that's. It's important to have candidates discussing. And you guys had never have a forum yet, right? Nope. No. No. Yeah. So, see, you guys, this is. You know, black folks. We bring like Ebony and Ivory. We bring people yeah, together. together. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's important. And so, I, Kirsten, she's she supported us last week at at the debate. Sure did. Um, and I didn't know you last week, so that's okay. So you get a you get a pass. <laughs> well, this has been great. Yeah. No, I, I'm glad you guys both came. And so I think that. Uh, wait a minute. Let, let, let me shut up. What's your website that you can people might where people can find you? Absolutely. Go to michaelhowardmn.com. Kind of learn a little bit more about me, my priorities, and also. Give me a call. My cell phone number is 612-207-7396. Love to chat. Those politicians I love. Kirsten? I was going to say, I'm a single female, so that's a privilege item where I don't <laughs> give my phone number over the air. Um, but you can go to Kirsten for House. It's Kirsten number four house. My name's K-I-R-S-T-E-N. And uh, then I'm on all the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. That's been a lot. I'm Jamar Nelson. I'm Patwin Lawrence. Make sure you tune in to Post Show Podcast. Appreciate you, ladies and gentlemen. Bye. I can't understand.